the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Well, turn in your Bibles to Psalms 16. I'm going to read it out of the new, uh, not the new King James, but the regular King James. Psalm 1611. It says, Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of sorrow. That what, what your Bible says? I'm reading a lot of people say the same thing, but I don't have anything about sorrow. All right, all right, let me read it again. Let's put it up here, make sure. Okay. Thou wilt show me the path of life. And in thy presence is fullness of agony. (laughs) Thou wilt show me the path of life, and in thy presence is fullness of joy. In God's presence is fullness of joy. It doesn't say I was sad when they said, let us go to the house of the Lord. Although one day I remember going to church, I was pretty sad. That was before I knew Jesus, though. It was back in my early 20s and back in my drinking days. I remember... (laughs) It's too late. I remember, I think it was the year between my first year of college and it was like the summer between, and I was staying at my grandmother's house. And so, I was at my grandmother's house, and one of my friends wanted to go out that night. He had a car, so we went out. And I'll just be honest with you. We started to drink it, and I don't remember much after that. I don't remember what I did that night. I don't remember how I got home. Uh, I guess I got home because I woke up the next morning, and my grandmother was shaking me. It's time to go to church. And that's one of those moments where it was sad when they said, let's go to the house of the Lord, (laughs) because I had passed out or whatever, and I was feeling rough as an underestimate. I was was feeling real rough. And so so I dragged into church, you know, and I'm sitting there, and my head feels like it weighs about 300 pounds, and I'm trying to pay attention, and they're going through these ceremonies and stuff, and there's a lot of traditions of men in this church, and they'd it's all just leading up to mostly the communion and everything. And then they, they give the little message, and it's 
like 10 minutes long, and it's typed out, and he's kind of reading it off a sheet, and he doesn't speak good English. You can hardly understand him. And I, I said, I didn't really want to be there. <clears throat> In fact, towards the end of the thing, they were playing these organ, pipe organs, and this chanting music from like the 1600s, and it was driving me crazy, you know. I'm like, what? <laughs> and I started breaking out in cold sweat. And all of a sudden, it was, <sighs> The best thing I heard that whole service when the priest finally says, the Mass has ended, thanks be unto God. I said, thanks be unto God, and I ran for the car. <laughs> and I jumped in my, my grandmama's big silver Continental, and I hadn't gotten the back seat. I, I scooted over just in time to go boom, boom, all over the back seat. Lovely. Not one of my finest memories. My grandmother comes out there, guess what she says? She said, she said, Oh, poor thing, he's got a stomach virus. <laughs> poor thing, just pat me on the head. Let's get him home and get him in the bed. I'll get him some soup or something. You know, that's grandmama's for you. Sadly for me, later that day, the guy I went out with, his mama called her and said, did you know my son's in jail? <laughs> From what y'all, your grandson, whatever they did last night, I don't remember any of it. So I'm thankful that, that God was with me. But you, it's safe to say that my idea of what was fun back in that, those days was whacked out. Thinking that, you know, drinking until you don't remember what you did and throwing up after church is fun. And it's also safe to say that my experience in that church wouldn't, what I would call... to fun today, right? The first thing that the Lord said to me almost three years ago now when I became pastor about this church is he said, we're going to be a fun church. And so there it is on the banner when we, you know, decided who we were going to be. And the, the main thing I knew that had to be in that phrase up there is fun because that's the thing I knew that the Lord told me. We're a warm, fun, loving family. Now, I don't know, uh, some of you may not have been there with us back then or whatever, but uh, we were going through hard times. We had just lost our beloved pastor. And it wasn't the first time we had gone through hard times. And uh, There was probably a chance that we weren't going to be here. I mean, there was a lot of people was kind of probably just waiting it out to see how this is going to play out, you know. I hadn't been hurt here, you know, and maybe this isn't God's plan. And uh, who is this guy that's going to be pastoring? Isn't that the youth fella? Isn't that nutty guitar player guy? How's that going to work out, you know? And so when the Lord gave us the idea to be a fun church, it was something about it. It was anointed. When I said that, people looked up and like, that sounds good. Because, see, everybody wants to have fun. Nobody wants to 
go through hard times all the time. They, everybody wants to have fun. So what the Lord did something with that word. And he, in, in turn, we begin to see ourselves like that. And how many think we have a fun church now? And how many are glad that you're part of a fun church? Amen. See, it, it doesn't sound like a spiritual thing to say we're a fun church. But I'm telling you, it was a spiritual thing, and it is a spiritual thing. So, is fun a God idea? How many of you picture an old, fussy, sour God up there while he's making a giraffe and a hippopotamus and a duckbill platypus? <laughs> I mean, obviously God's got a sense of humor, right? I mean, I'm sure he got at least a little chuckle when he made Big Joe. <laughs> Well, it was. <laughs> but God has a sense of humor. I mean, I know if you have a personal walk with him like I do, if he speaks to you sometimes in your heart and, and you walk with him and you see circumstances, then you just like, God, that's not funny. You know, he does things. And, and, and it really is funny, but, you know, I just think about Adam and Eve walking around in the Garden of Eden, buck naked. <laughs> <laughs> happy-go-lucky didn't think nothing wrong with it then Adam had to go and mess that up for all of us Joe <laughs> sin entered in and because of the curse of sin Adam lost his cushy, cushy job in the, in the garden now he had to begin to work by the sweat of his brow when sin entered there was a, a knowledge of good and evil when he partook of that tree that brought a heaviness into life that I don't think was there before because there was no sin and they, they were buck naked. <laughs> and they were innocent. They didn't know what could become of man when sin entered into the equation. Solomon, King Solomon, reported to be the wisest king, said in Ecclesiastes 1.18, the greater my wisdom, the greater my grief. To increase knowledge only increases sorrow. And I have just a little bit of knowledge. <laughs> Not much, many of you would argue. But the little bit I have and the more I learn about the capabilities of what's in man, it does bring a sorrow. When you look and see how this old creaky world is groaning, waiting for Jesus to come back. Oh, Lord, we can't. The world is saying we can't take much more of these people. You know? The earth itself. And we see what people do to each other. And we see God's plan. And we see how 180 degrees man's plan is to God's plan. And it just begins to, it makes sense, but it's so heart-wrenching and heartbreaking that the more knowledge you get, the heavier life becomes, if you let it. Sin surely tried to destroy all our fun. The devil didn't want us to have fun. He didn't want, you know, the Garden of Eden experience. He was trying to trip Adam and Eve up when he slithered into that oasis. 
And the least he wanted to do is distort our sense of what fun is. And he has done a fine job. How many can attest to see what people call fun these days? What I called fun back in college? People running around killing, stealing, raping, pillaging, addicted to drugs and alcohol, pornography, gambling. Wow, that's just real fun. What, what fun, you know? Showing up to church drunk, you know, on the night before. Turn to Galatians chapter 5. Some of y'all are just so happy to have a pastor that's had a ganked up past as bad as yours. <laughs> and some of you are like, I think we need to go somewhere else. <laughs> All right. That's the old me, so you're good now. Galatians 5.19 When you follow the desires of your sinful nature Now when Adam and Eve were in the garden originally Did they have a sinful nature? No They didn't even have a sinful nature So this is a part of the fall You follow the desires of your sinful nature The result of sin entering in The results are very clear Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures. Let's stop right there because of that word pleasures. That tells you that that's their idea of fun. It's pleasurable. It's lustful pleasures. All these are things that the, that the sinful nature considers fun. Does that make sense? I mean, it does say that there is pleasures of sin for a season, you know, sin is pleasurable or nobody would do it. It appeals to our sinful nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. That's quite a list. And that's probably just... For starters, he says, let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. There's a big difference in what the flesh calls fun and what God calls fun, what the Spirit of God calls fun. So when we say we're a fun-loving family, this is certainly not what we mean. If you were to read on in Galatians 5, you would see what the fruit of the Spirit is. That's what's fun to our born-again spirits. The flesh thinks fun has to be made at somebody else's expense, or it has to be lewd or naughty or obscene or something. That's When you feel, you know, you get to chuckling when you have a dark thought or something, that's your old sinful man. You need to tell him to go back to sleep. Get back in the grave. You've been redeemed from those thoughts. You need, to, you need to get a hold of your mind. Tell yourself what to think. I don't think that way anymore. That's not me. The way a born-again uh, child of God should view fun in light of God's Spirit living within us now, in light of the redemption that we have that Jesus purchased on his finished work on the cross, we should view fun in a totally different than the world. We should... Enjoy creation, what God has 
That's fun, right? Van just went to the uh, Grand Canyon. Man, I'm envious. <laughs> there, oh, that's my flesh. Never mind. Uh, we, we enjoy creation. We enjoy recreation. There's nothing wrong with going fishing or hunting or swimming or whatever. You, you know, recreation is good. God said on the seventh day, get you some rest. You know, do something fun. But we also find fun in our fellowshipping, which is really something spiritual. I've come to find. I thought fellowshipping was a waste of time at the church. We need to get out there and knock on doors or something, you know. It, but, but as I come to be a pastor now, I see things differently. Fellowshipping is one of the most important things. It's one of the five pillars that make a strong church. Uh, celebrating our God like we just did in song, in thankfulness, in giving, in serving, in rejoicing, in praising the Lord. All these things are fun to me now. It's fun to my spirit, especially when I can join up with brothers and sisters who like to do this, the same thing. And so we praise the Lord together. Our fun doesn't have to take away from the seriousness of our calling, does it? I mean, somebody said, well, you just, you know, all that fun talk. Y'all, know, y'all probably not getting nothing done. Y'all just having fun all the time. <laughs> no, that's not what we mean. In fact... The joy of the Lord empowers us to do our calling better. What Nehemiah 8.10 says, the joy of the Lord is our strength. It's what helps us endure. It's what, you know, nobody just, it amazes me that it's preached that churches should be solemn and no fun and, and some people preach that the more miserable you are, the more godly you are. That you should, man, you shouldn't smile. It's not, not, you, you should just, you should have no money, you should be poor, broke down, and you, then you, you should suffer all the time. And that's not what the Bible tells us. You should have fun in your life. You should have, you should have joy, I believe. I believe it's our strength. Proverbs 17.22 says, A cheerful heart is a good medicine. <coughs> Don't you need your heart to fulfill your calling? And a cheerful heart is a good medicine, but a broken spirit saps a person's strength. We're supposed to be broken in ways, broken from our old self, but not broken in spirit so that... that we have no joy and no hope and no, not, we're in despair. God usually advocates balance. I mean, when he's talking about serving him, it's whole hog, you know. But in other areas where we have freedoms, he usually advocates balance in our life. For example, we're to be a genuine, passionate, and relevant church. Now, you could say, well, how do you do that? It's, how do you, are you genuine to the Word of God, but relevant to a community that doesn't know the Word of God at the same time? Well, if you do things, if you do things right, you can be in balance. If we were to get so relevant that the, the, the genuine didn't mean anything, that would be bad, out of balance. We can't do that. But on the other hand, if we're so genuine that we never 
are able to get out there and reach people in a way that, that they'll receive, then we'll be ineffective in our mission. We know there's a time for laughter and there's a time for reverence. It doesn't have to be either or. Like sometimes we've played games in here before the service and laughed. Then we put a worship song on. I didn't see anybody still over here trying to play the game while the worship song was going. You can do both, right? Ecclesiastes 3 tells us that there's a time for everything under the sun. Time to be born, a time to die, a time to build up, a time to tear down. It goes on and on. There's a fellow in here named Don White. His, he's a, I wrote, he's a godly man whose joyful and fun countenance has been known to draw people to Christ. Who would disagree with that statement? See? Everywhere he goes, he's, he's a barrel of laughs. No, he's just naturally fun, fun-loving. But who would say that Don's not serious about his calling? Don is very serious about his calling in God, isn't he? So he's a prime example of somebody who has fun but still gets the job done for the kingdom. In fact, his funness adds to his Christian witness. So that's what I'm talking about. Psalms 144.15 says, Yes, joyful are those who live like this. Joyful indeed are those whose God is the Lord. Are you joyful? I hope so. I hope so. I mean, I know there's times in your life where you get down and situations are on your back. But if you keep your eyes on Jesus and you keep stirring yourself up in the things of God, the joy will rise back up in you. And, it, and you really need your joy because it's your strength. I believe Christians should be the most happy and, and should have the most fun. Jesus had fun. Did y'all know that Jesus invented the first water sport? He walked on water right before they even created skis. The Bible says he went to a wedding. That's something that's a joyful occasion, and you go and you have fun at a wedding or whatever. He also earned a few good funerals. So he had the world's biggest picnic. Yes, he did. Thank you, John. Jesus loved life. I believe, I mean, to me, I picture a happy Jesus, because that's the one I know in my heart and it's the one I see on the pages. I mean, you could read the Bible and interpret it differently, but I know him as a, as a happy, fun-loving. Uh, when, I, when I saw that he had sent his disciples out to go witnessing, he had trained them up and sent them out. In Luke 10, 21, when they returned, it said at the same time, Jesus was filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit. He was filled with the joy of the same Holy Spirit that you have. So there was joy there. And God the Father, he clearly loves celebrating. You know, there's at least seven feasts that he uh, ordained for his Jewish people, his chosen people, to celebrate. Let's turn to Deuteronomy 16, 13, and we'll look at one of them. Deuteronomy 16, 13. 
Now, not all of them are as such festive occasions, but they all represent important stuff for us to remember. In Deuteronomy 16, 13, it's talking about the festival of shelters. It says, you must observe the festival of shelters for seven days, and at the end of the harvest season, after the grain has been threshed and the grapes have been pressed, the festival will be a happy time of celebrating with your sons and daughters. Well, that sounds like fun. Do you think the Father wants us to have fun? He's ordained a festival for a happy time of celebration with your sons and daughters, and your male and female servants, your Levites, foreigners, orphans, widows in your town. And in fact, he wants everybody to be a part of the fun. He's not holding back from anybody. For seven days you must celebrate. <laughs> He's not just making this a 20-minute ordeal. I hope it's Chuck E. Cheese or something. <laughs> no, seven days we're going to get together and have fun. And this is every year at the end of the harvest so you can celebrate together. This festival is to honor the Lord your God at the place he chooses. For it is he who blesses you with bountiful harvest and gives you success in all your work. This festival will be a great time of sorrow. No, a great time of joy for all. 1 Timothy 6.17 says, Our trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Well, God's not concerned about our enjoyment, is he? Some people think he is, he is too much. <laughs> They're in one ditch. Some people think he don't want us to be, to have any enjoyment. But there it is. He gives us everything we need for our enjoyment. We should be the fun people. Our new life with Christ should be fun. It's worth celebrating. If they, if they had those festivals for, for the Jewish people back before Jesus came, how much more should we celebrate that we're under the new covenant? We have every reason to celebrate. And that's what we did Sunday, right? We took communion together. As often as you do this, do, do this in remembrance of me. If, da if David danced before the ark of God, where his, God's presence was in the ark of the covenant, if he danced before that, how much more should we dance now that God is on the inside of us? Man, we should be cutting a rug. <laughs> In fact, I would say woe to us if we don't walk in any fun in our life. Shame on us if we don't stir up some praise in our born-again hearts. If David could dance like that, man, we ought to be really cutting the rug. Deuteronomy 28, 47. Let's see what that says. You still in Deuteronomy? Deuteronomy 28, 47. For those of you who refuse to be joyful. If you do not serve the Lord your God with joy and enthusiasm for the abundant benefits you have received, you will serve your enemies whom the Lord will send against you. Boom! Let me read that again. If you do not serve the Lord your God with joy and enthusiasm. How are we to serve the Lord? If you don't, boom. 
you will serve your enemies whom the Lord will send against you. <laughs> but I don't think it's a problem in here. I think we do a lot of celebrating. We have a lot of enthusiasm because God's put a new spirit in us since that garden fiasco. You know, where all the heaviness was, we saw all, you know, the knowledge of good and evil. Well, we, now we got some new knowledge. Now we know that, that we win. Now we have a written testimony of our victory and who Jesus Christ is and who he is in us. Now he's in us and his spirit's in us and we're alive and we're new creations in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Jesus is real to me. So now I can celebrate and have fun. Now I can take a deep breath because I know my eternity is already taken care of. Psalms 86, 4 says, Give me happiness, O Lord, for I give myself to you. Psalms 92, 4 says, You thrill me, Lord. <laughs> With all you have done for me, I sing joy because of what you have done. Psalms 32, 11 says, So rejoice in the Lord and be glad, all of you who obey him. Shout for joy, all of you whose hearts are pure. Psalms 33, 1 says, Let the godly sing for joy to the Lord. It is fitting for the pure to praise him. And then in the New Testament, old Peter, in 1 Peter 1, 8, he says, you love him though you've never even seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him, and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. Amen. Amen. Philippians 4, 4 says, rejoice in the Lord. And again I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. When? Always. When things are going good? Yeah. Or always? always? When things are going bad, what do you do? Rejoice. Well, if he's just kind of floating along on an even keel, what do you do? Rejoice. Our faith is sure, people. We're standing on a sure foundation. Our salvation is secure. Our focus is fixed. Our future is settled. We should be some rejoicing people. Our hope is steadfast. Our troubles will soon be gone, but our joy is here to stay. I believe we're going to be joyful people in heaven. What about you? God's on my side and Jesus is in my heart. So devil, you might as well take off running because your day is through. Death, where is your sting? Grave, where is your victory? My Lord done triumphed over it. He's got the keys to death, hell, and the grave. And my name is written in his book. We have the victory. We need to do the shouting. Somebody need to do the shouting. 1 Corinthians 15, 57. Thanks be unto God, which gives us the victory through who? Our Lord Jesus Christ. Mm, mm, mm. I'm glad I didn't throw up in church. That would have really been bad. The Lord had mercy on me, even in the, the depths of my foolishness. But like I said, my idea of fun before I knew Jesus was warped. And so was my experience and understanding of what church was about. I thought it was just clocking in traditions thought it was just making yourself feel better. It's about, all right, I did this for you, God. What can you do for me? I spent my hour this week. When is this thing going to get over? You know, for many years here in America, people coming to church out of a sense of guilt or an obligation 
they feel like they, you know, out of that same response, I, well, good people go to church, so I should go to church, you know. And, and in America, you know, we thought that was good. Everybody goes to church. But you shouldn't go to church out of a sense of guilt or obligation. That's not the way a church should be portrayed. Because what happens? You, you fill the church with a bunch of unhappy spectators. They can't wait till it's over. And there's no joyful servants in the house. And so when people just, you know, for years people would just go to church because that's the thing you did. That's why I went. My grandmother says we go to church. I go to church. Everybody just went to church. And so you had more people in church, but did you have more Christians in church? And so when you see this world getting darker, and you see persecution even here in America on the church, and when you see things being shaken, you know it says judgment shall begin in the house of the Lord. When you see things coming to pass in these end days, and the things are being shaken, and you're like, well, I, want, I don't want that to mess up our good thing. It's time somebody messed up this so-called good thing of church that we've been playing here in America. Else there's going to be a lot of people bust hell wide open straight out of their purple chair. Their little purple padded pews or wherever they're at. When people come to the house of the Lord, they need to see the joy of the Lord. They need to be, they need to find, that's what changed me when I came to this church 20 years ago. A broke down old heathen. And I came and I saw the real joy of the Lord. I saw people who really served him. I saw people like Don, Miss Ruth, Keith, and Tom, and all of you guys that were here back then. I saw people truly having fun serving the Lord. Now that interested me. Some dusty old religion that I was just doing it out of the wrong motives, wasn't getting anything out of it, no fun involved. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. That's, that's pretty much one of our favorite scriptures here now. And that's the way I feel about it. I hope that this is a church you feel like you're glad when you say it's, it's church time. When, you, when that five-minute countdown starts, I hope you just, man, man, it's almost time. It's almost time. We're finna we praise the Lord. listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.